Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 43. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Nelson Puentes. Nelson is a black belt in jiu-jitsu and the founder of Inverted Gear. He started the company from his parents' basement in 2012 and has grown the company to an international brand in 2019. Great conversation, and at one point, I asked him about a piece of advice to the listeners. His answer inspired the title of the podcast, The Art of Learning. At the end of the interview, I expand on this concept based on the amazing book by Josh Wainsky called The Art of Learning. I share with you three concepts featured in the book and how you can utilize in your journey. Stay tuned right after Live Jiu-Jitsu's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and in the United States who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donates all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.livejujitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Nelson Puentes. Nelson is a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu and the founder of Inverted Gear, one of the leading BJJ gear companies in the world. Nelson started Inverted Gear from his parents' basement in 2012 and has grown the company to an international brand with an intense focus on supporting people and companies who provide a positive influence to the BJJ community, such as Tap Out Cancer and Jiu-Jitsu Globetrotters. Today, he co-runs Inverted Gear with his wife, Hillary. Nelson, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Gustavo. First, I'd like to give a shout out to John Thomas, who made this interview possible, making the connection, the two of us. And he was a guest on a podcast on episode seven, The Right Moment Is Now. So check it out when I have a chance. So how did BJJ show up in your life? Jiu-Jitsu showed up in my life because of a friend. Um, I wrestled in high school uh, with my friend Dave. He's also is the one that got me to join the wrestling team in our high school. And I really fell in love with wrestling. I was, I was very late. I started wrestling my junior year. So I wasn't very good and just when I started getting good my senior like you know towards the second half of my senior year uh the season ended I broke my thumb very right last wrestling match I broke my thumb I was trying to qualify for the state tournament I had gotten through the district tournament that was quite an accomplishment for somebody only wrestled two years in New Jersey and then I was trying to get there in the region and I broke my thumb uh, I lost the match and I I I didn't wrestle. I didn't decided not to wrestle in college, um, and also I would I would have to wrestle like Division three. I wasn't good enough to wrestle Division one, and I decided to just go to college. Uh, I miss jujitsu very much. I miss being on the mat, and then my friend 
so we saw Abu Dhabi highlights. Uh, 2007, Abu Dhabi was in New Jersey. So it was, it was like 45 minutes from where I lived at the time. So uh, looking, uh, I forget how we stumbled into this highlight of Marcelo. He's, arm, he's like that year, it's like that highlight of him arm dragging yeah. and getting to the back and choking everybody out. And I was like, what is this? Like, you know, it looks like wrestling, but they're doing submission holds. It's like, this looks awesome. So me and my friend talked about joining, uh, joining a, a gym. We started looking around and then I was working, I was going to school. So like, you know, a few weeks went by and then my friend calls me, uh, he used to work as a ballet. So he was getting out of work like at 1am. He said, Hey, uh, there is a grappler's quest. There's a grappling tournament. We should do it. I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, let's just sign up tomorrow. I was like, okay. So we signed up for a tournament before ever taking a jujitsu class. <laughs> So uh, we found a jiu-jitsu gym. We trained for like six weeks. Uh, we jumped to the white belt division. Uh, he won his division. I took their place and then hooked. Nice. And how do you feel BJJ relates to life? I think jiu-jitsu relates to life um, in a way where it takes, it exposes you to failure. Uh, and also, it's just a, a great vehicle to teach you how to learn and be patient and, like, just, like you know, just be persistent. Um, it takes a long time to learn jiu-jitsu. And, and, like, the thing is, like, you know, as jiu-jitsu balls, we're always learning. Like, you know, 10 years ago, there were no burn bolos. 10 years ago, like, the modern leg lock game wasn't there. So even if you're a black belt, like, there's always something new to learn. And you think that, and then the thing is, like, you know, when you're learning these things, like, it takes a long time. As when you're a white belt, somebody shows you an arm bar, it might be months before you actually hit an arm bar inspiring. It's going to be months or years before you're able to do an arm bar on an upper belt. So same thing in life is you just got to be able to be happy and be content with knowing that you're making progress, but that progress might be very slow. Uh, like what's that saying? Like Rome wasn't built in a day. It's like a lot of, uh, like my company wasn't built in a day. It was, it was like two years before we turned profit. And all I did was I had three other jobs for, uh, while I was building in bird gear. And all I was doing is putting money and money into the company, like, you know, buying more gear or we needed a label printer or like we needed a bigger space to store the stuff. So jujitsu kind of lets you have that, that mentality of like, okay, like, you know, we're making progress and eventually I'm going to get there, wherever, whatever the goal is, but it's enjoying that journey throughout, uh, enjoying your journey and just making the small progress little by little. Yeah. And, I believe that in any skill, you want to be pretty good at it. It, it will take time, right? I have, time. I'm trying to remember what podcast was, but I did talk about, I'm trying to remember, I won't remember what final thoughts I talk about, but I did talk about the art of learning the book, Josh. Oh, that's a great book. Yeah. And it's very important to take consideration to the expectations, which he talks about how good would you like to be? You know, how competent would like to be in whatever skill you're doing? You'd like to be decent, like to be good, great, or among the best of what they do. And that's going to be for jujitsu. That's going to be for a company like yours. Say, hey, I just want to be decent, man. I just want to sell to a few of my friends. 
that's okay. Or you want to be among the best of what they do. So if you want to be among the best of what they do, you have another option. You have to put the extra hours and the long-term commitment. And sometimes not everyone is ready for that. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And sometimes people will start, they think they have the tendency to be an entrepreneur, but they don't have the DNA. And it can be tough. They were like, oh, yeah, it would be cool. It would be cool to have my freedom. And then actually when it comes down to it, like, oh, wow, that's a lot more complicated than I thought. So depending on the expectations, I think need to be very clear so people don't get frustrated. You see a lot in jujitsu sometimes the very first six months. It's a make it or break it for so many people because maybe go like four months in. You you wrestle, which helps. It really helps a lot in the transition. But when someone doesn't know anything and they go like three, four months and like, dude, can I get at least a sweep or someone? Can I at least be able to get my guard back? And you start getting overwhelming. A lot of people end up sometimes dropping before the six months. I always tell people, hey, it's going to take like a four to six months for you to see like, oh, wow, I actually can try one move and someone defend it. I did something else. Of course, it's going to be a long process. And this is with any skill, with a business, with a language. I feel that the setting the expectations, it's huge. And it seems like you put your expectations fairly high because you're doing it and you're kind of getting in the mix of a well-known brand going internationally and props to you, man. You know, you're being persistent and taking, taking your time. That's great. So when did you have the spark to pursue the vision of Invert? It was in 2012. Uh, I was teaching jujitsu at the time. I was, uh, I was a purple belt. I was getting close to my brown belt. And I was teaching a small school in New Jersey, and we were affiliated with Alliance at the time. So we all had our, our eagle patches in the back. And my students wanted like uh, a Nelson Puentes jiu-jitsu patch. So one of, my st- I, one of my students was a photographer. He did a little bit of graphic design. Uh, his name was Steve. And Steve did um, the logo. And it was Nelson Puentes jiu-jitsu, and it was the upside down panda. And we put the panda on a shirt and uh, made some patches. And we started going to tournaments. And then people that I've never met before will come up to me and say, hey, man, like really like your shirt. Like that's a mm. jiu-jitsu panda. It was just like the height of the inverted. I mean, it's when like the Berimbolo 2012 Berimbolo uh, inverted guard was like really just starting to break into like, the jiu-jitsu metagame. Like everybody was very excited about that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay. It's like all these people want to buy this shirt because of the logo. And, but it has my name on it. And then one of my students was like, we should put the, we should make geese with the panda on them. And at that time, I always thought I would go into business for myself. Uh, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, entrepreneur. Uh, my dad has always had, uh, had he always had a, a steady job. I always, uh, when I was growing up, he would have like all these side businesses. Uh, when we moved to the U.S., he worked in a trucking company, eventually opened his own trucking company. So I always, ha- always like, kind of saw that uh, and aspired to do what my dad did. And he's like, work for yourself. So I always thought like the end game was going to be me having a jiu-jitsu school. So I was reading, I was reading 
all the business books that we get my hands on. I was going to school. I was, uh, I was trying, I was starting to play with the idea of switching majors. I was doing exercise science, but I had taken one business class the entire time I was in college and I really liked it. So I was like, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I took a break from school uh, for a year to just work, save money, and then make the decision. Is like, hey, I'm going to finish this degree in exercise science, or am I going to go into business? And in the meantime, I'll save some money because I didn't want to take student loans out. I was just paying. My, my dad was helping me, and I was, we were paying like semester per semester. So during that year, like this happened, and I have this money saved up. And I was like, hey, I have this money saved up. Uh, we can start a brand. I'll put the logo on it. Uh, we'll call it Inverted Gear and started like, you know, reaching out to factories and designed the, designed the gi. And then at the time also, it came in at a time where there were not that many jujitsu brands, but it was kind of like the end of the affliction tap out phase where like everyone was going towards the MMA tough guy route. And like to, for me, it didn't make sense. I was like, like all the jujitsu guys, like the best jujitsu guys I know is like, they're not tough guys. Like you see them in the street, they look like an accountant, hmm. you know? So I was like, this doesn't make sense. So we made uh, inverted gear. We put the panda logo on the, on the, on the, on the sleeves, like no front and center. Uh, and we were like, you know, the whole jujitsu and MMA thing was like going that way. And we went in the complete opposite direction. And it resonated with people. Uh, I was very nervous. We ordered a hundred geese. I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. If I was going to have like, you know, 50 geese sitting in my basement forever. I had 25 students. So like, I wasn't going to sell all, all the geese to my students. And we ordered a hundred geese, somehow sold all hundred or 150 geese. sold all those, then 200, then 250. Then when we got around 400, we didn't fit in my mom's basement anymore. And we had to find a warehouse and that's history. That is awesome. Now, how was the mindset during the transition when you decided to go all in? I always mention here that a lot of people do have the desire to, to have their own business just like you did. Mm-hmm. And during that battle, the internal battle right now, like, is this the right time? Should I do it? And sometimes people focus too much on the fears and anxieties, the negative end up kind of having the paralysis and not doing anything. So how did you deal with the fears and anxieties of starting the new, uh, the new journey? I think that one of the best things my parents gave me is this mindset that like you can do anything you can put your mind to. And I really thought I was like, Hey, like I'm, I, I consider myself a smart person. I've been reading business books for the last six years. Um, I was working at the time. My jujitsu instructor had a painting company. And I was working at a painting company and like he was, I, I really thought he was a very good manager of the painting company. I really like how he run it. And so I was like learning a lot about business, not only from seeing my dad and run, him running his business over the years, but like, you know, uh, Kevin, who became a mentor, I've been reading all these books. So I really thought it was a good place in my life to go for it. Uh, I didn't stop. I was still working three other jobs when I started. So I was like, you know, worst thing that's going to happen is I lose this money. Uh, I had saved, I was like $6,000 had saved up. So I had to like, I used that as a down payment for the 50% for, no, it was, it was like I had between that and some pre-orders, I put the money down for the first hundred geese. And then I had to like 
sell more geese, more we're doing pre-orders at the time. We had to like sell more pre-orders to pay the second 50% to the factory. And I was like, you know, worst case scenario, I don't make any money out of this or I lose some money, but like I tried. Uh, I didn't have any student loans. Uh, I was living on my parents. I was making money teaching jujitsu, working at my friend uh, Kevin's uh, painting company. So it was a good time for me to go for it. So, you know, just went all in and just worked on it. And just like I said before, it's like, it can be discouraging because like you, I really didn't make any money the first like two years. Yeah. A few things that we have talked in the podcast. First is you mentioned how you had two, uh, three jobs, right? And a very common theme that we're talking about, the late motivational speaker, Jim Rohn's quote that work full-time, you're living part-time, you're dream. And one day with a lot of sacrifice, discipline, and patience, you'll be able to turn that into your, the dream of the full-time. And you're able to do that, which is amazing. And we had an episode 19 titled The Worst Case Scenario by Camille Moldovano. He's from Romania. And that's exactly what he said. He's a big time entrepreneur over there. And he mentioned, what is the worst case scenario? And that's exactly what he did there. Okay, I'm going to try this. Am I going to be on the street? I'm go- if, if that's the case, what is that? With that said, it's very important for people to think about the worst case scenario, but not stay there. And that's what some people do. I like to say, okay, you think about that as a scenario, put on a shelf, just leave it right there. Just know that it's there. And then you focus on what, uh, whatever you need to do. So this is something that it takes a lot of self-awareness for people to really realize that, man, I'm focusing so much on the, and of course, being aware of the worst case scenario. But when you go there and you stay there, that's a problem. You know, we got to always be mindful, not like, oh, perfect world. Everything's going to be great. Like, no, some things can happen, not the way we want. What do we do when you get there? And what was your, your worst entrepreneurial experience so far with Inverted? I'll assume, especially because I've done business with Pakistan and China and with manufacturers with the geese and belts. I've been screwed before, been orders horrible before. I mean, it's a tough one because they're so far away. Communication is always a, an issue. So... What is your worst entrepreneurial struggle? I don't know if it's related to to this or not. I would just mention no, one that came to my uh, mind. No, yeah, definitely. Um, it's not easy dealing with overseas factories. Um, not easy dealing with customs and international shipping. There are so many things that are completely outside your control. Uh, yes. That's one of the reasons we stopped doing pre-orders. Uh, if you remember, like 2012, it's very common for key companies to do pre-orders. But we all, like, even if we put like a big cushion or like extra month for things to come in, like there was always an issue. It's like one time we're dealing with like um, air shipment and the, 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 the pallet with the geese just mixed, missed the plane. It was sitting in Kuwait, some random airport in Kuwait for like two weeks. And we're just like, Hey, like why is it there? And when is it coming here? Hmm. Um, but when it comes to like the worst experience, I would say, um, uh, I'm a lucky man because I have a very patient wife who's, uh, who's also, she's also now, uh, she, I met my wife like about a year into me having the company. Uh, she's a graphic designer. She actually designed, um, a lot of, uh, logos for like well-known jujitsu people like, uh, Marcelo Garcia and Rafael Lovato. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so she started working with me um, at this like you know at, that, at this point we were both teaching jujitsu and running the company, and we got married, uh, went on a honeymoon, and like a week before we went on a trip, we started selling like a new product, a new gi, and it was a very cool project. We crowdsourced the gi to our Facebook page, so the Facebook fans were like, "Hey, uh, what color? Uh, what kind of weave do you want?" And they picked uh, a bamboo weave, and then what? Um, um what color and it was like unbleached and then what accents and then like you know the whole process was like a voting process like they, they got to pick like make every decision of how the key was going to be made so we released the gi uh we made something like 300 gis and then we sell like 115 the first day like everything's great we're on honeymoon we're going to a honeymoon we're going to san francisco and it was you know we're very happy riding high and then as we're like you know the, we start selling shipping the geese out on monday wednesday thursday as we're you know arriving in san francisco we start getting emails people are like wearing the gi and watching it for the first time and something happened with the with the dyeing process like the color wasn't locked in and mm. the geese eating purple all over the place and like you know they're they're so it's like ruining that gi and whatever all the gi was in the washing machine so you emails 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 and like you know we're trying to have a honeymoon and then like all of a sudden we have like a hundred emails in the inbox of angry customers and then like you know people are and like he's doing damage control at that point yeah so we're emailing everybody is like hey if you bought one of these geese uh make sure if you wash it wash it by itself uh we'll send you a replacement and uh we're making a t-shirt and we'll send you a t-shirt to make up for the inconvenience. Actually, I'm wearing the t-shirt that we made. Nice. <laughs> Which is kind of random. But yeah, uh, and the, the, the t-shirt actually says, learn, grow, and improve. And this, uh, this is one of the core values from my friend's painting company. And it's something like I kind of like stole from him and like made it a core value of the company was just mistakes are going to be made. We're going to learn from them. We're going to grow and we're going to improve, you know? So that was, we only had, we've probably made, I've, I've no idea, like the amount of geese we made over the years, but like, you know, the amount of, like that's happened. That was the only time it happened. It's happened twice. And then like a very small amount. For whatever reason, we have a hard time. We, whenever we made um, bamboo geese with a purple accent, it's happened. So, and everybody that bought a gi, that email us, we reached out, uh, took care of them. And like that really set a precedent. A lot of those people is like, you know, it was early on in the company. This is like, uh, we wouldn't have been like a year or two, maybe three at that point. So getting like, uh, getting a bad, the bad word of mouth of people feel like, oh, don't buy those geese. Uh, they bleed and like, you know, but instead of that, like, you know, we took care of everybody. Uh, and then we, everybody's like, hey, buy inverted gear. They have really good customer service. Something went wrong, but they took care of me. And then a lot of those people that felt taken care of, like they're still, you know, customers to this day. So any specific lesson with that, as far as something communicating with overseas or what was the lesson that prevented you from doing again? I mean, of course, it's impossible to say like, we're never going to make the same mistake, but we can minimize the chances of happening. Yeah, it just communicating with the factory and like uh really make sure they have uh the 
the factory we work with is a smaller factory. And, but the thing, one thing they do is they, they weave their own weave. They're not buying the weave from somebody else. So we have a lot of control over the process, the manufacturing process. So he's making sure it's like, hey, like, especially when we, we're dealing with purple dye, which is the only time we've had a problem for whatever reason, uh, that dye, they had a hard time locking that dye. is like we have to take extra steps and make sure, like, you know, this doesn't happen again. Got so it. we're just communicating. Uh, we've been working with, I've been working with the same factory <laughs> since 2012. So we have a great business relationship. Um, and as I've grown, the factory has grown. And like, I get pictures of them, like, you know, knocking down a wall to put a new machine in because like, you know, we used to order a hundred geese at a time. Now we order like in the order of 2000 every time we order a gee. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Awesome. And man, one of the experiences that I had years ago that uh, i'm not gonna remember when was gotta be maybe like 2010 or, or something i can't remember but i was doing some geese i was taking care of a novel neon usa so a lot of merchandise and stuff like that and eventually just got away uh, from uh, that business but i remember that i was working with a company that in us it's a gee company and i know them for a long time and I wasn't going straight, which I have done it before, straight to overseas. So talking with them, so it would be a cool campaign, marketing or whatnot. And I had a meeting with them and I said, at the moment that I deposit the money in the account, when do I receive this? I gave her the money and it's like, oh, six weeks. So from the moment that I put the money in the account, six weeks, six, no problem. And it was the same thing, pre-sale and stuff like that. So of course, six weeks comes around, People are asking where are the geese, and then it's coming, it's coming. So it comes like three, four weeks later. So people are already not uh, happy. And then this is probably my worst experience with geese. So gave them the gi, it was a competition like gi. Pretty, pretty looking. The top was great. I'm not kidding. Two of my students in training, the first grip that the guy had in the leg, the first grip, it ripped like 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 a big one it was a small i'm staring at it was like this gee just got out of the bag okay this guy that was the first grip and oh, then started rips or pain yeah uh the, the the pants are ripping the pants are ripping i was like oh my god it was brutal so nowadays i have a different process you know for my for the geese of my school and so forth but some of the lessons that we learn along the way right yes and what would be a topic that you'd like to talk with the entrepreneurs out there, especially people in transition, that they're not quite there yet? Of course, there's the entrepreneurs too, because a message you we work for both. But for the entrepreneurs out there that are in transition, what are some of the suggestions, you know, based on what you've seen, you know, the growth of starting from zero, zero and now growing? What would you like to suggest to them? I think a, a good thing to do when you're starting out and whatever business you're in, if you can find um, companies uh, or like we found, we, we partnered up with Tap Cancer up early, early on. Uh, they started like just around the same time we did. Uh, I joke around with John all the time that I beat him to the podium. I was like the first person in an IVGF podium wearing like uh, Tap Cancer out. Mm. Um, and we 
my mom was fighting through, uh, breast cancer at the time. So like I found out about him, I bought all this gear, like, you know, patch for my and a t-shirt. And we started working with Tap Cancer Out and like, you know, you supporting uh, a cause through the Jiu-Jitsu community. And then we, I met uh, Christian Grogar from uh, Jiu-Jitsu Globetrotters. And I just uh, went to one of the camps as a, as a camper. I was an instructor or anything. And then a lot of people fell out and ended up becoming an instructor at the camp. Uh, everybody had a good time in my class. I got good reviews, I guess. And Christian invited me out to go to Europe. So, and I started going to Jiu-Jitsu Globetrotter camps. I'm, I'm going to go to my 10th camp this year. Wow. And I've traveled all over the world uh, teaching Jiu-Jitsu, not only at the camps, but just connections I made from people from the camps. I have like friends in Sardinia, friends in Norway uh, that I met through the camps and I get to visit them pretty often. I'm, I'm going to go teach in Mexico in a, in a few days now. All thanks to just making these connections. And because I made, I was, I, I put myself out there and I was, I wasn't, looking as much to like you know make money right away yeah. but just building connections and uh building a network i'm finding uh people that had the same views as i did of what matter and what was good for the jiu-jitsu community and how to build um um what's the word i'm looking for is build something bigger than like you know just in birdie gear but just do good mm-hmm I think uh, that resonated with people. Uh, I got invited to do seminars and then I will go do seminars and people are like, oh man, like I really like your gi. Like I wouldn't, I never push my product at seminars. I'm like the worst salesman ever. I, I like, I get introduced as Nelson. He's here to teach a seminar. Oh, also he, you know, he, he has this thing if you guys want to buy geese. And then people are like, oh, you bring anything? I'm like, no, it's like, <laughs> I'm carry on only. Like, if you guys want to buy anything, like here's a, here's a discount code, like, you know, free shipping or whatever. And you can buy from the website. And like, you know, the more I travel, the more the, the business grew. Uh, the more I traveled to Europe, the more emails we got. It's like, hey, like, you know, I met you here. I met you there. I want to buy, but um, shipping to Europe is really expensive. Uh, to the same connections I made to the camps, uh, I met the people that are helping us run the the shop in Europe. They had uh, their own website that sells uh, fight gear, and then they're like, "Hey, like we would like to carry your geese." I was like, "Oh, like yeah, sure, but like how about we partner in a way where you sell my gear, but also I have a store, and then if something comes to the store, you ship it out of your same warehouse since you don't have the gear sitting there." And made an agreement and now I have a European warehouse and like, you know, sales are still like, like we said before, like little by little, they have gone up. And like now we're getting like a night, nice, I'm getting a nice, uh, then on the month with reconciliation and I get a check from Europe and beautiful. It's like, you know, it's just have, look at the big picture. Uh, don't just look at the balance sheet every month. I, I got that's, you. That's, and- that's the ticket right there. Yeah, two things that you mentioned there was recently in a podcast. One is from number 37 with Kevin James Gonzalez, building relation, building your relationships was basically talk on that and doing things that, uh, and Kevin was saying, not everything exactly what he said, not because of money. He would go there to promote maybe a local business to help with something. Next thing, your names are getting thrown around your brand. So you, know, you don't not necessarily do it with intention. No, we go first, you're serving, you're helping. And like, hey, you know, yeah, that's, that's the bonus. 
in episode number 40 with Danny Alvarez was surround yourself with like-minded people. So you going to those camps and being with people that are doing what you're doing, this is huge. So for people, that's a great suggestion that you give because for people who are starting, yeah, look for some people. What is there some people doing similar things to you? How we can get connected? Is that something related to maybe a possible nonprofit? So this is a great thing of expanding your associations, you know, uh, not just kind of sitting and waiting, but going out there, whether if it's a, you're building your presence online or personal, like you're doing, going to camps and so forth. So great suggestion. What would you say that is a one high performance habit that has helped you in your life? I think I am really good at learning and not only learning, but like, I, I, let me rephrase that. I'm not very good at learning. I'm very good at teaching myself something. Okay. Uh, I have, since I was little, I was diagnosed with like learning disabilities. I have, well, I could call it learning disability. I have ADHD since I was little. Uh, I have a very patient mom because back in the day, uh, it was like South America in the 90s. They wanted to put me like a Ritalin and just bring me down a little bit because I was bouncing off the walls. Um, I was very patient, had a lot of trouble. I have ADHD and dyslexia, so I had a lot of trouble learning how to read. So as a little kid, like, you know, that's, that's tough. It's like, you know, you feel dumb. Yep. Like, how come everybody else is doing this? And I'm sitting here and like, you know, just letters are just moving around on me. But just, you know, my mom helped me through it. I uh, had, um, had a lot of had a help at school. And then even then I, I could take notes, have very good memory but I had like a really hard for a long time I had a hard time concentrating in class so I had to go it wasn't about like I wasn't paying attention it was just I would pay attention to everything like if somebody next to me was fidgeting I'd be like okay why does this guy keep moving his arm instead of paying attention to the teacher so like you know when I went to college it was like just magnified because now we're in this big lecture lecture hall and now I have a laptop to take notes but maybe I'm not actually taking notes on the laptop because now I have access to YouTube when I'm in this thing and then like the professor it, I don't like the way the professor teaches or so whatever it was I would always have to go go through my notes afterwards grab a book go through the book read the chapter again uh, sometimes I would even like um, I was a physics major at one point before I switched to exercise science. So I remember like just, uh, going to like MIT or NYU online and finding uh, like lectures about the same topic we're covering and just watching lectures from another, from another nice. teacher and just learning that way. And then like, you know, when it came to jujitsu, uh, I would, uh, I would go to class, whatever technique was, was shown. And then I wanted to learn something else. Uh, I remember like back in the day, I like, uh, I wanted to learn deep half guard. And then this was like very early on before all the fantastic instructional started coming out. Like, you know, uh, YouTube was like barely a thing in 2007, 2009. It was like all grainy videos. So I remember just finding videos of like Wilson Hayes and just watching Wilson Hayes matches over and over again. It's like, oh, he puts his hand here, but then he puts his hand here this other time. What, like, why is he changing the grips? And like, you know, he's teaching myself, and like, you know, he's teaching myself deep half guard before there was an instructional ad or I knew everyone that was good at it. And then, like, eventually, like, you know, find, finding people, like, hey, like, you know, I want to learn this. And, like, you know, learning that way. And then you just, when I started my business, it was the same thing. I had to, like, learn all these things. It's like, hey, like, I reached out to factories. I want to make a gi. It's like, okay, like, send me, send me the design. Like, or, like, uh, these are requirements. Or, like, them telling me all these things, I have no idea what they meant. Like, send an email. It's like, uh, 
MOQ, like a minimum order uh, requirement. Like, oh, it's like that's what that means. So like you, little by little learning about uh, manufacturing, learning about customs, learning about building a website, uh, building about how like shipping happens. Like I remember one of the, I think the first or second order we ever got through the Inverted Gear website was to New Zealand. Wow. And I was really excited and then really scared because I have no idea how to ship something internationally. So it was just Google like, hey, like, you know, how to do this, how do they fill up? Yeah, fill out this customs form like you know what's the cheapest way to get this done is like how they make sure it gets there so i you mentioned auto learning and just learning i very early on had to like figure out how i learn and then i've been applying that to my life ever since um i we talked about reading i read as uh, i I read as much as I can. I have a nine month old at home now, so I don't get to read as much because I can't just sit down with a book because he's like, now you start crawling and he's like all over the place and I have to mm-hmm. like, you know, catch him. We haven't done the best job baby proofing yet. So <laughs> to like make sure I can see him. Uh, I, uh, these days, um, I do a lot of audiobooks and I just finished Grit, which is a great book. Grit? Um, Yes. By, yeah, uh, it's actually it, I I have on my Audible, but I haven't listened yet. It's in my oh, list. So good. Yeah. And then when we were traveling, I was um just like you know just learning languages. I was I got fascinated with that. Um, whenever we would travel somewhere, just being able to be human, being able to just say hey, you know, hello, thank you, bye, good morning, oh, this is delicious. So I when did you move to the U.S.? I moved to the U.S. in 2001. I was 14 years old. And no English back then? Very little English. Mm-hmm. But I was just, wasn't afraid. So I would just speak like Tarzan. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being like, you know, I'd be there, I've been there for like two weeks. And then like somebody else moved here from Ecuador that spoke less English than I did. And then I'd be like, oh, no, like you need a new class on board. Let's go talk to the guidance council. I translate for you. And going, hey, this guy, this guy needs new class. (laughs) (laughs) I have one of my friends actually we were talking this week and he he grew up, he's from Brazil. He he went to the US when he was about eight. And and then he went back to Brazil in 22. But I never forget he said, like, the only word that I knew in English was tomorrow. So anyone ask me anything, I'll just say tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow. That's the that's the he said. That's the only word that I knew was tomorrow. That's amazing. Yeah. When, one of the things I did, I kind of feel like I've a good lesson. I was like my, one of the, um, like learn English. I just wanted to learn English as fast as possible because I needed to communicate with people. I wanted to be able to talk to people at school. I wanted to, because I would, it was never more, fr- more frustrating than understanding enough for like the teacher asked the question, you understand the question, you know, the answer, but you don't know how to say it. Mm-hmm. That would drive me insane. So I remember I joined the football team because no one in this football team spoke Spanish. So I forced myself to speak English. Gustavo, I didn't know any of the rules. It was like halfway through the season. I didn't know what a first down was. I was just looking at the sticks <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> Good for you, man. That's that's awesome. That's a, a gutsy call, you know what I mean? And going out of the comfort zone, that's when you learn, right? And yes. definitely paid off. One thing that I really like what you said, and people should definitely pay attention to this, is figure out how you learn. 
this is super important. So I want to make sure that the listeners just don't get this by and like, oh yeah, no, like definitely figure out how you learn. I, I have mentioned here before, I did struggle. I do still struggle with attention and stuff like that. And in school, I was in seventh grade. In Brazil, it's very different in school, right? In school system and stuff like that. Seventh grade, that's when I was like, that was it. You're done. So I had to... Uh, uh, I have to do the seventh grade again. So I failed seventh grade. I had to do everything again. So that seventh grade, and it's tough because in, very different than U.S. You know, it's basically you come in, there's a classroom. That's the class for the year. So the teachers come out, there another one come in. You don't go for other class. You don't go to look for other classes, other classrooms. You basically stay there. So we stay with the same group for the whole yeah. school year. And then when people move to the next grade, the next thing you're, you know, everyone moved to eighth and still seventh. Guess what? No one from the eighth grade wants to hang out with the seventh grade. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the things is when I started my second seventh grade, I said, I'm going to improve in school. So I decided to sit always in the first row. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to study. And that would last about, I think top seven seconds, maybe six. And I was in little Gustavo's planet. And, and then I'm like, crap, I'm back. Okay. No, no, I got to pay attention. And it was the battle was nonstop. And I, and that was the first time I was aware of like, apparently I have a really hard time paying attention. And I had to do the same we did. I started to go home and like, okay, I have to do everything over. They said, and then I started to spend more time. I never had a problem with school ever again. I wasn't a straight A or anything like that. I always been like um uh like a B or B minus or C plus. You know, I wasn't great, but I was really trying. And that helped because I figured out how I learned. So now even here, nowadays, I have to pay attention to that too. Uh, this year, one of the goals that I have for 2019, it's actually read or consume less books. However, dive in deeper in each one. So I finish, you know, just, okay, next, okay, next. No, 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 I have to, because I know that it takes me longer to learn. So right now I've been working on the, the Art of War for about six weeks. Uh, I already read twice because it's fairly short, but now I'm the phase of I'm taking notes. I'm really absorbing what is it saying? What is the message? So I prefer to stay with these two books because they're both from uh, different translations from The Art of War. I prefer to stay in these two for like two months, really try to absorb what is happening, then adding a bunch. So that's a, a cool goal and a good suggestion for people too, to be like, man, if you didn't get the whole thing, no problem, go back in, revisit, you know, audio and what you said to crossing reference like you did in school and see, hey, let me see classes are being being t you know taught in other places. That's that's a great tip too. Also, what I've been doing now, which is fairly common, like uh, especially like newer books, like you know, podcasting is so big. So if you read a book that's come out in the last few years, it's very likely that that person did um, did a tour and hit a few podcasts. Yeah. So whatever book you're into, you can find uh either sometimes have ted talks or podcasts or th that author and then like you know you just dive deeper into those topics and conversation so like kind of brings the book to life and then you're like oh i remember them talking about that in chapter two with this like interesting insight that they didn't have or they didn't get to fit in the uh in the book 
Yeah, this is a habit that I've been developing for a while too that really helped me. It really helped me because I do, like even when I finish the first run of The Art of War and then I spend about mm, like a week to 10 days instead of the time that I have to decide to, to read, I'll go to YouTube. Let, let me just listen to documentaries. Let me listen to book, sum, uh, book summaries. You know, just go whatever, and then I go back to the book. So I've been doing this for a lot of different ones, and it really helped me to soak in the material more. So just kind of being patient and little by little. Be but again, comes back to you got to do whatever works for you, right? You got to learn. You got to learn how you learn. Got to figure that out. So if that's an option for you, that's a good one. You know what's interesting? I did. I I remember reading uh, Art of War and uh, the Book of Five Rings as a white belt when I just started training jujitsu. And then about a year or two years ago, I I went through again and read them again. And like you know, like how well I was I was ten years older. So like you know, but just being in this journey uh, for ten years, it completely changed what I got out of the book. Absolutely. I believe. I feel that sometimes I get three weeks after I'm already getting like, huh, okay, now I'm starting because I'm going in really deep. And man, it's been great. And for people out there that do like reading The Art of War, the reason why I'm going through this, man, it's jujitsu all over that book. You know, as far as strategy, it's all over jujitsu there, the, the battlefield and stuff like that, and the lessons that you can transfer to business to personal so that's the kick that i'm at right now is the art of war so it's going into yeah six weeks and i'm still excited i have a, some other books that i want to read that are already lined up here but i'm like man no i gotta wait you know i gotta wait until i feel that i really got the material but i do I do still listen to audiobook currently. I'm listening in the morning when I do my stretch and part of my routine. I'm listening to Nelson Mandela's book. So that's a, a different one, an autobiography. And then I listen and I even watch a little documentary this week. And then when I finish, I'm going to research a little more. I did one, just a quick suggestion about books because we're going to talk about this here soon. I listen, have you listened to Open from Andre Agassi? Is it is no. autobiography? Dude. No, I... So awesome. Uh, uh, I did read, uh, what's it called? The Only Way to Win, I think is the name of the book. It was Andrew Agassi's Mental Coach. Mm, okay. So, uh, and then a lot of the lessons of how he was deeply unhappy at a point in his career, even yes. though he was the best tennis player in the world, and how he changed that, and like, you know, how like he figured out what mattered to him. The, so I always wanted to read it. I never got around to it because like, I thought like that was so interesting how like this guy also, my dad was a huge tennis fan. I don't know if you remember, uh, Chile had some really good tennis players in the nineties. Uh, Marcelo Rios, Fernando yeah. Gonzalez, who were, were actually like ranked top 10. Uh, Chile only has Olympic gold medals, only has two and both of them are in tennis. Wow. So like if you grew up in Chile in the nineties, early two thousands, like everybody was a tennis fan because at that point, uh, soccer team was not good mm -hmm. so that was the only thing we we're good at so i got i was really i was really, my, my dad played tennis and we were like I, I remember watching a lot of uh andre agassi matches growing up so i always thought it was like so fascinating how this guy who was uh widely regarded as one of like you know the best in the world it was like with what him and uh pete sampras at that point yeah 
you know, one and two forever. Uh, and, like, the guy was just not happy, even though he was winning tournament after tournament. So I think that's a very, very big lesson. Yeah, I when I finish, I have to say, I've read a, a lot of books. I have to say that that book where I listen, you know, the audio book, I have to say that's the most entertaining book that I've ever read or listened to. I was so hooked like I was in a soap opera. You know what I mean? Just like, man, I want to listen more. I want to listen more. And it's 20 hours of audio. And, oh, wow. And I was bugging my, my wife, like, you have to listen. You have to listen to this. And then she was like, stop talking about it. Like, okay. And then finally, she, she, when she started listening, and then she couldn't stop talking about it. I'm like, do you get to that part? It's really, really cool. That guy had a hell of a journey, man. My I think God. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a listen and audible. This is glowing review. I just finished quit, uh, jumped into, um, what's the name of this book? Oh, Thinking Fast and Slow by uh, Daniel Kahneman. Okay. And that is, uh, he goes about uh, how you make decisions and then like how, like, you know, you have a gut instinct of like, oh, this is what I should do. And then like, you know, I'm always being one of those like go to your gut guys. But as I get older, I'm trying to like, okay, why do I want, like, you know, thinking things over, like, why did I want to do that right away? Like, you know, what are my biases and recognizing like why you bias one way or another. So I'm, I've been listening to that. I'm like a few hours in. Uh, usually now with the kids, uh, I've been doing a lot of cardio because I don't train as much jiu-jitsu anymore. I have a rower and a skier and a bike in the basement. So Whenever I, I sneak a workout in, I always have either a podcast or a book in. So I'm not only getting my cardio in, but actually learning a little bit. So talking about books, so what did you say? What is a book for you to recommend that really made an impact on you? You know what really made an impact on me was um, four-hour work week. Uh, yes, I, it did I for mean, me too. I was, is right around at the time it came out, I read, read it and then like, you know, just the whole say, Hey, like, you know, I can set up this company and then get a fulfillment company and I can work on my laptop out of anywhere in the world kind of thing. And you just, you know, it took me three years, but me and my wife, before our son was born, uh, before we started a family, uh, we traveled for three years. We were just teaching jujitsu all over the world. We did 25 countries and like, you know, I just pack my laptop, uh, we pick an office, like a coffee shop or whatever, and get our work done in the morning, contact the factory, contact um, uh, the warehouse, make sure everything was shipping, do our customer service email. And I might, I could be in, like, you know, people are like, oh, like you email me like really early. I'm like, no, it's like, you know, I'm in Australia mm. <laughs> or whatever. And I got, I got to travel a lot. And then like, I remember when the book came out, a lot of people were like, oh, this is bullshit. Like, you know, yeah. for our work week, what is this guy talking about? Like, nah, it's like, it's like, that, that's not real. And then like, you know, same thing is like, you, uh, what, what do you call it? Like growth mindset. You're like, ah, like, you know, if this guy did it, maybe I can do it. Like, I think I can do this. And like, you know, it took a lot of work. Um, like I said before, like, you know, first two years, I was putting money into the company, like money didn't like really turn a profit until the third year. So we didn't start traveling and doing all this stuff for like four years. So it was four years of keeping your head down. And uh, what's the saying? Working 80 hours for yourself. So you didn't have to work 40 hours for somebody else. <laughs> and eventually we got there. And like, you know, that, that book, if it wasn't for that book, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. 
Um, um, Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin, you mentioned it before. That, that book was big for me. Uh, what is that chapter? He always come back to uh, investing in failure. And you just, uh, it's so relatable to martial arts. It's like, you know, at one point, you just really have to take your beatings. Uh, I remember when I started training jiu-jitsu, I would, I would cross-train judo at the same time. And I would walk in into the judo club I was training at. It was in Cranford, New Jersey. Uh, the coach who has since passed away was uh, the Olympic coach for the U.S. team in the 88 and 92. So I was the only white belt in the room uh, full of black belts. Uh, these older guys in their 50s and 60s that were in the Olympic team in the 80s were just dropping me on my head over and over again. And I'm like, you know, this athletic 20-year-old and these old guys, stood, like to me, it was like, they were, like these old guys are just killing me. But like, you know, I took my beatings and then like, you know, like 12 years later, I have better stand-up than your average jiu-jitsu guy. But to get there, I took a lot of falls that most jiu-jitsu guys are not willing to take. I believe in, yeah, 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Great book. I probably got hold of that book somewhere, uh, somewhere around 2010, maybe. I think that's around when it came or maybe... Some somewhere around there, I might be wrong, but I remember a, a friend of mine told me, like, what are you reading right now? And then I remember what I said, I'm like, okay, just drop whatever you're doing because I just found this book and it's you. You have to read it. Like, okay. And it did. It did shift a lot of things in my mind. It opened my mind for a lot of different possibilities that I didn't think think of before, and especially uh, like you said, you know, being able to travel and create. So I always, my number one value of my life being my freedom of choice. And that's why that book came in so well, because I decided my journey to set up my business in a way that I'm not attached to anywhere. That's basically the same thing said. So if I want to go to travel for a month, that's okay. And the show continues, you know, so that's different, you know, preference that people have, but this, and for sure, it's not for everyone. This book is not for everyone at all. No. Because if you, if you don't have the entrepreneurial bug, you know, be like, yeah, that sounds too good to be true. Yeah, for our work week, like I said, people are going to be skeptical. And they say like, does he work? Like, of course not. Tim Ferriss is a maniac. He doesn't work four hours a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. the guy loves working. He loves engage, being engaged in what he does. You know, but he has all the setup that he can choose whatever he wants to do, how many hours he wants to put. If you feel like one day, I want to put 10 hours for one day. Today, I'm, I'm not putting any. Tomorrow, I'm putting five. Yeah. He has that freedom. Now, what is the best advice you've ever received? best advice you ever received um any area any area um i think um i have a business advice i believe was my dad so my dad's thing was like if you're like you know if you're running a business you gotta be comfortable like you gotta know what every part like how the business works like you gotta really know what every person does and be able to do it Right. So I started in Birdie Gear. I did everything. I designed the gi with the help from a friend. I I was shipping the gi so I knew how the shipping works. I was doing the customer service. I was uh, I filed the paperwork the last time. Um the first time we had to like clear customs in the airport. And like my dad, like I remember telling my dad my, my dad telling me this and me being a little kid, like, Oh yeah, 
and you know whatever is this guy just just talking and then my dad uh one of the businesses he had he opened that this like uh bar restaurant and i remember like it was like opening night and he, he invited like all his friends over and like you know it was a lot of people there and like people are filing in and my dad's wearing like this really nice shirt and uh the cook doesn't show up wow. and my dad just rolls up his sleeves goes to the kitchen and cooked for the entire time we're open and i remember being a little kid and just being mad that like you know my like oh it's like you know it's like a party where is that he's opening like a restaurant and like why isn't he sitting here like enjoying like you know we we did this he worked so hard to open it and like you know decorate and get the tables get all the permits and like he did all this work and like now it's a nice supposed to be celebration he doesn't get to enjoy it so i think that is the greatest business lesson I was ever given absolutely that and just not not only saying it but you showing me so whenever there's been problems uh within birdie gear it's like i i have the the blueprint like you know i need to be able to do everything so like uh it's probably with customer service i'm able to go into customer service i know how the order system works i know how to look up orders i know how to like backtrack emails uh one point or warehouse move uh, or last warehouse uh, it's a fulfillment company, like we pay them to ship stuff, and there's other brands there, and they move from one place from the same building, like from the first floor to the second floor, and it was a mess, and uh, it took longer than they expected, and we got really backed up. It was like you know, there's like 200 orders just sitting there that needed to ship out, and I'm getting like all these emails, so I just call the guys from the warehouse. It's like, hey, I'm coming in. Is I'm another warehouse worker. Like you know, the best thing you can do with my time right now. Is ship geese. Like, if you need me to move boxes, I'll move boxes. If you need me to uh, pick out and, like, you know, ship, I'll pick out and, and ship. And I was staying in a hotel for, like, three days and, like, you know, until we shipped those 200 orders. Because at that point, like, that was the best use of my time was being at the warehouse, uh, shoulder to shoulder with the shipping guys and you getting stuff done instead of like sitting in the office drinking coffee. It's like, hey, no, it'll ship shortly and sending, like, angry emails to the warehouse. Why isn't this shipping? You know, beautiful. There you go. Now, what advice would you give to the younger Nelson when you started Inverted? Create more content. Hmm. Uh, we didn't start creating content for a few years into the company. Uh, we have like a social media post here and there, but now we, I believe, we're the um, merchandise or you know gear brand that produces more content out there we have a blog post uh two three times a week uh we have videos um like you know we have a very active instagram and facebook feed and we produce we're the one of the few brands that we're producing like long form content uh we have uh long form interviews and you know, blog posts uh blog posts i post uh, i write myself i'm trying to get back in the habit i'm thinking i took a break since i had leo mm-hmm. or, or son but we have some great writers. We have some very, in my opinion, some very good blog writers. And we have one of the best blogs in jiu-jitsu, I believe. And, and we work on it very hard. Uh, we have, like, you know, we have staff. And, like, you know, most jiu-jitsu brands don't want to shell out to pay bloggers. And a lot of uh, jiu-jitsu blogs are just, like, you know, are just guys, like, taking stuff from social media. And, like, hey, like, Gordon Ryan is in an argument with this guy now. And that constitutes a blog. And then, like, most of the stuff is just ads. But, you know, we're, I think we're making a difference. Um, going back to books, I remember um, 
Thank You Economy by uh, Gary. Gary. Yeah, so it's like, you know, a lot of people like email is like, hey, I love your blog. I love your videos. It's like, you know, I will always support because I used to love your content. And like, you know, I, I want one of the things we do all the time is I like, just ask ourselves, like, why do people buy your geese? Like, you know, there's now how many, how many geek brands in the US? Like 150 or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So like they have this choice is like, you know, at one point we need more than the panda to sell product. So why are people buying our product is because one, we help the community. We have good service. We have a good product, but we produce a lot of content and people appreciate good content. And I think we, we really definitely have our crowd. Our content is not for everyone mm-hmm. and they enjoy it. Yeah, it's cool. For, for, for people who don't know, I, as I mentioned, I've been promoting for 20 years and we have the organization here in Arizona, the Arizona BJJ Federation. And now we have, for people who are interested and want to go in on our Facebook, we have uh, writers too that write articles. We release about three times a week too. So we have different people from, we just put it out there. And then over the years, we've just been able to catch some people that really like what they're doing. So we have an editor that uh, controls everyone and we about three to four people writing. So it's always giving some different uh, different points of view. And like you said, that's the investment that needs to be taken. Can I get some free ones and be like oh, copying people? Like I said, you know, no, let me, if we got some people that really like writing and they're passionate about it. Yeah, man, let's, uh, let's get the, let's get the word out. Let's try to impact people in some way. Let's help them in some way. Maybe it was with a technique or they just want some, entertainment get to know more about someone but we just put out there and again it's not for everyone but whoever connects with the brand whoever really likes your brand they will they will support and it's just a matter of time growing that crowd now what are you currently excited about what's going on with inverted uh we're actually moving warehouses uh we're gonna be hopefully by the end of the month we'll be in the new warehouse uh it's gonna be a lot closer to my house and it should ship a lot faster than the last place. So I'm very excited about that. And we have some new Nogi gear in production um, that should be coming out sometime in March. Uh, I, I might have a jiu-jitsu match. I haven't competed in about three years. Uh, Tap Cancer out now is doing that Black Belt Showcase. So my wife and myself uh, will be fighting uh, March 30th. Uh, the band is in New Haven, Connecticut. So it's going to be interesting competing again. Uh, I feel my cardio good since I, I work out at home all the time, but like I only I only get to do jujitsu like once or twice a week. So it's gonna be interesting competing uh uh now versus like you know when I competed before I would train like twice a day. Now I gotcha. So it's gonna be very interesting and you know uh, I'm excited to get on the mat again. Cool. So for all the listeners are getting close to the end of the interview. So for who's listening for the first time. What I like to do after the interview, it's called the final thoughts where I just get my takeaway and it's a chance for me. I, I believe nice. So that does I'm a, I'm a teacher per se. You know, I, since I was younger, I want to have the school. I, I wanted to be a teacher right now. I don't really teach jujitsu as my, I'll, I'll help out with the classes here and there, but it's not, I do have, we do have a really good team that teach all the classes here in Arizona. But I do, but I do like teaching, teaching other things. So this is an opportunity for me to teach personal development, to teach some of the things that I've been learning. And 
all those interviews, man, I got so much to learn. I've been interviewed right now by this point over 40 people. So that's over 40 people that I'm getting new information, researching on what they're saying, learning new stuff. So it has been great. It's a win-win. It's great for me, for my knowledge and for my development, plus for the guests and the listeners too. So everyone wins. So I'm super excited about this. And that's what I do after the interview. So it takes about seven to 12 minutes. So make sure you guys stick around for that. And how can people know more about Inverted, website, and a, a final message to the entrepreneurs out there? Uh, invertedgear.com, invertedgear.com backslash uh, slash blog. You can find all their stuff or just invertedgear.com through the page. Uh, we do have a European store now. So if you're in Europe, you can go there too. Uh, I, adding bird gear on Instagram. So we do have a very active feed there too. And you just thank you for your time, Gustavo. Uh, thank you everyone the, for listening to me, listening to me rant and putting up with my accent. And hopefully you can take something away and you can create something of your own. Uh, it's hard work, but I think it's worth it. And you just like, you know, like we said before, like sometimes you got to look at the worst case scenario and be like, okay, like, am I going to be okay? Uh, like most of the time, like, you know, I think we can, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of us are looking at like we, we can live through a worst case scenario. So go for it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And also, I really appreciate it and keep up the great work. Okay. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Nelson Puentes. For those who are listening just to the final thoughts, Nelson is a black belt in jiu-jitsu and the founder of Inverted Gear. He started the company from his parents' basement in 2012 and has grown the company to an international brand in 2019. He talked about persistence to have the mindset that you can do anything if you put the work. When I asked him about a suggestion to give to the entrepreneurs, he said, figure it out how you learn, which inspired the title of the podcast, The Art of Learning. If you don't, this is an excellent time to explore. And if you already know, are you willing to take it to another level? As I mentioned in the interview, my first glimpse of understanding how I learn happened when I failed seventh grade. When I went back to the seventh grade a second time, I was committed to paying attention to school and I decided to always sit in the first or second row. Do you remember when you were in seventh grade? How was your ability to focus? Well, mine was not good. I remember telling myself, okay, I'm paying attention. Then in about seven to 10 seconds, I was in Gustavo's little planet. Suddenly I go, the class, the class, yes, pay attention. I would stare and little by little, I will lose focus again and realize I have to spend extra time at home because I can't keep up. And I did. I had to review the material multiple times. From that point on, I became a decent slash good student. Not great, though. However, I never had trouble in school and college again. In 2019, I continued to refine my learning. Lately, I've been reading more than listening to audiobooks for the first time. And when I finished the book, I would research online book summaries, documentaries, and interviews to dive in more in depth in the material. With that said, I've been reading less variety of books, but exploring deeper each book, which helps me to absorb the content even better. Have you ever heard of the quote, sometimes your biggest strength is your biggest weakness? Is this true for you? Think about it. It is for me. I have struggled my whole life with 
focus and concentration. However, when I go to Gustavo's little planet, that is when my creativity is activated, which is one of my biggest strengths. What is your biggest strength? Have you been utilizing this strength daily? If not, how can you activate and utilize this strength daily? Do you need to learn a skill? Do you need to develop even more about what you already know? If you put all your effort in your strengths, you will be able to trump all your weaknesses. I'm not saying not to work on your weak points. You do that too. There are things we need to watch out for, but focus on your strengths consistently. Now, again, what about you? Do you feel that you know how you learn? If you don't, as Nelson said, go figure it out because learning is an art, a unique personal skill. That is why you have to figure out yours. Understanding how we learn is crucial when you're working on your strengths and weaknesses. Based on the book, The Art of Learning, An Inner Journey to Optimal Performance by Josh Wainsky, I'm going to ask you something. If you're an avid listener to the BJJ Mental Coach podcast, you know that the mission of the show is to inspire, impact, and improve the lives of others who are in pursuit of becoming the best version of themselves, the unique you, not the you that others expect from you. No, the real you. If this is the case for you, you're in the journey of becoming the best version of yourself daily, you must learn how you learn so your strengths can be even more effective. Now, the question is, would you like your strengths to be decent, good, great, or among the best at what they do? The same question Josh Wainsky asked in the book. With that said, do you want to have a decent life, good, great, or reach your full potential and achieve the success you desire? By the way, I'm not talking about anything related to financial. Your best self means, do you capitalize on your strengths daily? Are you fulfilled and engaged in what you do every day? Do you live the lifestyle that you want? Today, I'm going to share with you three concepts from the art of learning, which was the inspiration for the final thoughts of episode 29 with Nick Gregorio. It's titled, Developing Your Beginner's Mindset. There is a chapter dedicated to the beginner's mindset. For those who don't know, when Josh was a child, people recognized him as a child prodigy. In 1993, the film Searching for Bobby Fischer was released based on his life. Great movie, by the way. To capitalize on your strengths and to become your best self, your unique self, multiple concepts are valuable to your journey in the book. And I decided to choose three. Number one is the growth mindset. This concept is one of the pillars of the BJJ Mental Coach podcast. That's why I often mention during the interviews and the final thoughts. Josh mentioned that for you to understand how you learn, you must adopt a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. If you'd like to go more in depth on this topic, invest on Carol Dweck's book titled Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. In her decades of research on achievement and success, she wondered why some people avoid challenges and or crumble when faced with difficulties while others thrive and achieve their highest potential. Through the years, she developed the concept that there are two types of mindsets, fixed mindset and growth mindset. Essentially, Dr. Dweck states that people with a fixed mindset believe that essential qualities like intelligence and talents are fixed traits and that these traits are responsible for success. They believe that you are born with or not. On the other hand, there is the growth mindset in which people believe that they can develop new abilities through practice. This view creates a love for learning and incremental improvements. 
Josh Wainskin believes that to master ourselves, to become the best version of yourself, you have to adopt a growth mindset so you can have incremental improvements after each experience, which was one of the most common, if not the most common word used in Josh's book, incrementally. Again, it comes back to questions. What level would you like to reach in your life? Decent or your best self? It's not right or wrong answer. It's all about choices and preference. Josh mentioned at one point in the book how his strength was his aggressive style, which was the approach that he learned initially from the street chess players when he was only six years old. Throughout his career, coaches tried to change his playing style to more of a defensive approach, which other world-class players use, but that was not his style. He wasn't utilizing his strength and ended up being one of the causes to turn him off from playing chess on the top of all the undesired exposure he was having from the movie. Every time he played, all the cameras went on him and it was a lot for a young kid to take. Around that time, he decided to learn a different skill, in this case, Tai Chi Chuan. I didn't even know that Tai Chi had a competitive side of the art with a few different styles, and eventually Josh got involved with competitions. For five years straight, Josh was a Tai Chi Chuan push hands middleweight national champion, and in 2004, he became a world champion in Taiwan, being his unique self, and capitalized and utilized his strength to the highest level. He decided that he wanted to reach not a decent level, instead of among the best of what they do. After Tai Chi Chuan, Josh Winsky utilized all his learning methods to train and receive his black belt in jiu-jitsu from Marcelo Garcia. He has been focusing on his strengths for years, and you should do the same if you're not already doing it. Figure out how you learn and focus on your strength. Number two, invest in your loss. In the book, he mentioned about the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. He may have made the most last-minute shots to win games than anyone in history of NBA. However, people forget he also missed the most winning game shots. He was consistently living on the edge, challenging himself over and over. Josh mentioned, quote, He was willing to look bad on the road to basketball immortality, unquote. Josh talked about taking full responsibility for yourself and not to expect the rest of the world to understand what it takes for you to be the best you can be, the unique you, not the distant you. Use the growth mindset to every setback during your journey as an opportunity for incremental growth. Turn the negative into a positive, which leads to the concept number three, using adversity. During the Using Adversity chapter, Josh shared that when he broke his arm, instead of him keep complaining about it at home, he decided to train only utilizing his left arm, and that made him a better left-handed fighter, and eventually, that saved him in a competition. He turned a negative situation into a positive, just like the episode 14 with Mikey Gomez. The title of the podcast is Turning the Negative into a Positive. During the final thoughts, I shared a personal story about using adversity in your favor, and I'm going to share with you right now again. On April 13th, 2018, I was training at my academy, GD Jiu-Jitsu, in Tempe, Arizona for the Abu Dhabi World Pro Championship, and it was taking place in the UAE on April 27th when I suffered severe injury and I dislocated my elbow bad. Of course, I was sad, disappointed when it happened. However, as soon as I left the hospital, I thought, you know what? This is the fact. I got injured. And the fact cannot be changed. Only my response to the fact can be changed. 
I won't be able to compete. I won't be able to train for a long time. What should I do with my extra time? What can I learn? What can I improve? I reflect and told myself, I've been thinking about starting a podcast for a long time, and this is the perfect time to do it. So I signed up for a podcast course, bust my butt, and in 30 days, I had the very first episode of the BJJ Mental Coach podcast with Shoyu Rose CEO, Vince Kirugwa, out of the 43 that I have recorded so far. Imagine if you had interviewed 43 people who had shared their entrepreneurial experience with you once a week for 10 months. Then after every interview, you research more about the topic to teach others. Do you believe this would help your journey of becoming the best version of yourself? That is what I've been doing for the past 10 months. Listen, I'm not trying to impress you with my story. It's just to convey to you that when you use the growth mindset to put yourself out there, you're willing to fail, you're committed to invest in your loss and keep coming for more, plus the attitude of turning your negative into a positive, the sky's the limit for you. Master how you learn and focus on your strengths. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, but the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.